Welcome to Mommy Diary the Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Kim. I'm a creative lifestyle blogger and mom of four. This podcast is all about honest stories of motherhood and real conversations with real women just like you. I believe women are stronger together, and sharing our personal stories can bring empowerment, inspiration, and peace to someone else. Making connections is what brought me here today. Each week, my guests and I will share how we've overcome challenges in order to find authentic joy and purpose. We'll talk about motherhood, marriage, careers, mental health, spirituality, and everything in between. I'm so glad you're here. Let's start the show. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for joining us at Mommy Diary, the podcast. Brand new year. We have an entire um, lineup of amazing guests this year. And today I wanted to introduce you to Heather Jeffcoat. She is a friend of mine that I was connected through an Instagram mom. I love this community because I love how all the moms and experts in different areas just come together to have these conversations that are just so necessary in our community. Heather Jeffcoat is a pelvic floor physical therapist, owner of Femina, and she's also an author of a book called Sex Without Pain. She received her Doctor of Physical Therapy degree from Duke University, a BS in Animal Physiology and Neuroscience from UCSD. So she has extensive training and knowledge in this field. So I'm really excited to have her on the show. Hi, Heather. Hi, Angela. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. And I was telling Heather before this, this is my first interview back. So I'm kind of like easing into this year, this new episode and this new season of the podcast. And I'm so excited to have Heather on the show. I'm just going to let you introduce yourself um, and tell us about what you do and how you got started and what, you know, piqued your interest in this field, because it's very new for me, this entire idea of the pelvic floor well-being. And I know it's very important for us women, but it's not discussed as much as it should be. So yeah, I'll let you take over and please introduce yourself and tell us all about you. Thanks for the great intro, Angela. So yes, um, my name is Heather Jeffcoat, and I am a doctor of physical therapy. I own four Los Angeles area offices called Femina Physical Therapy, and um, we do specialize in primarily women's health and pelvic health issues. So we're talking about like bladder disorders, like incontinence or bladder pain or urgency frequency bowel issues. So that could be incontinence, constipation, uh, for example, um, and sexual issues. So, um, and that kind of goes along with my book. So I see a lot of women with uh, painful intercourse, the inability to have intercourse because of pain, um, just chronic pelvic pain, where it could be related to like their periods, or which we call cyclic pain, or they might have non cyclic pain, pain that's occurring outside of their periods. So um, endometriosis, I see a lot of patients with that diagnosis. So I basically deal majority of the time between the ribs and the knees, I'm kind of looking at all the muscle attachments to the pelvis and how that influences posture, how that affects their pelvic floor. Because even though I do introduce myself a lot as a pelvic floor physical therapist, I really strongly believe that pelvic PT is like super specialized orthopedic PT because things in the back, things in the hip can drive or make worse pelvic floor symptoms, whether it's like incontinence or pain. 
So that's like my specialty. And I got into it because when I was at Duke, when I, I honestly thought I wanted to do pediatrics or sports medicine, work with young athletes, but as I, which I still love doing by the way, but as I was going through my coursework, I saw that there was a huge need and early on my identification was in a postpartum population because there was just this huge normalization of, well, oh, you had a baby. Oh, you had two babies. So of course you're going to pee your pants now, or, oh, just give it time. You know, that pain will go away when you stop breastfeeding or that feeling of prolapse will go away when you stop breastfeeding. So there's a lot of like, I think providers pushing off their patients to uh, a later date. And the thing is what I've seen over the years as more and more research is coming out, especially is that their recommendations to patients do not follow research guidelines. So like one of the most common things is like if a woman is having urinary incontinence or light bladder leakage, she's told, oh, it'll get better when you stop breastfeeding. What the research shows is that the women that are still leaking at three months are still leaking at five years. And most women, I know not all, but most women are done breastfeeding by five years. So Clearly, and well before that. So clearly, stopping breastfeeding isn't the answer to their pelvic health. So I do think that pelvic floor physical therapy and these specialists like me that are around the world are the best kept secret in medicine. Like people, moms don't know about us. So yeah, and you know, uh, until I met you, I didn't know that there was a physical therapist who specializes in this. And you're so right, as a mom of four, and I have a lot of mom friends who have multiple children, we kind of talk about like peeing when we're laughing, or when we're coughing, like it's a normal thing. And it does happen during pregnancy, especially with my third and my fourth, I did feel like every time I'm coughing, or you know, you put a little more pressure for whatever reason, you feel that leak, and it's very embarrassing. And it doesn't feel good. But you know, when you're pregnant, it's almost like anything is normal, (laughs) is what I discover you you ask a, a, a doctor, hey, I'm feeling this, this, they say, okay, you know, if you're pregnant, that can happen. And you just think it's gonna somehow like heal itself. But I'm assuming oftentimes women aren't healed properly from that. And Mm -hmm. they just kind of live their lives thinking this is a very normal part of motherhood when it doesn't have to be. Exactly. So that is the problem. Like um, many providers will like that six week checkup after vaginal delivery, they'll look and they'll say, Oh, you're healed. But your body on the inside really has like so much more healing to do what they're really referring to is just the fact that like, if you had an episiotomy or any tear with like stitches, like that's healed. Right. And you're not like bleeding anymore, but just because like the tissues come together and scarred nicely doesn't mean that like you can go back to running at six weeks and you can go back to intercourse at six weeks, which we definitely need to talk about. Um, and it doesn't mean that you should get on a trampoline, right? Like there's so much healing and it's not just strengthening. It's not just doing kegels. Like there's so much more to it. Like improving coordination, improving posture, because I think women, well, for sure, when you're pregnant, your posture changes, but some women will stay in that pregnancy posture. They have that abdominal wall weakness, so they don't have good support. And 
certain postures do lend themselves more to being more weak in the pelvic floor. So it just is like physiologically more challenging with certain postures to produce the strength and support needed when you run, when you sneeze, cough, et cetera. So there's that normalization by physicians that, that, phrase they all like to use of you're healed, but then now all your mom friends are having that issue. So it's normalized in your community too, where what should be said is like, this is a frequently occurring problem, right? This happens to a lot of women. We know it's very common, but this doesn't have to be your new state of normal. And here's a pelvic PT that you should see how many, how much of these changes you can reverse without surgery. You know, I would love for us to go into more detail about what a pelvic PT looks like. I'm sure it's different for every patient, mm-hmm. but some of your, you know, key character or traits or key, I guess, like therapy um, techniques that you use. But before that, you know, if you think about what our vagina goes through, right? Just from a sex to like from conception to the pregnancy, because I can honestly say like, I've never felt that type of pelvic pressure until I was pregnant and you've Literally, it feels like the baby's just going to fall out because you feel so heavy. And I I Mm -hmm. felt this with my third and my fourth baby. There was so much heaviness down there that if I'm in the car, my husband's like, you know, going over a bumpy road, it'll be painful. And I would have to tell him, like, babe, can you, honey, can you please drive a little slower? And you're right. It's like there's all these different new pain that Mm -hmm. we somehow become used to and we normalize. But I mean we're still young and we shouldn't have to suffer that for the next 30, 40 years. So, so if you can kind of guide us through what your um, typical pelvic PT looks like, Mm -hmm. and maybe some exercises that we can do at home that can improve our posture and the conditions that we have. Yeah. So, um, and I will say too, on my website, I have like a thousand blog articles, maybe not a thousand, but like a few hundred for sure on like specific exercises that can be done too with pictures, with text. So it gives, there's a lot of free resources on my website between blogs and my resources link. Cause I have been published in a childbirth education journal. So, so there, there are like lots of free on that Femina PT website, If you're coming in during pregnancy, we'll start with that. The evaluation is usually going to look different than someone that's coming postpartum. So usually the patients that I see with pregnancy are coming in because they're having sciatic pain, hip pain, maybe like low mid back pain, things like that. But they might also have that um, complaint of incontinence as well. So first of all, with everybody, I'm looking at their posture, like I'm, I'm doing a history, like I'm definitely starting with all the verbal communication. But as far as like the hands on and the examination, um, I'm looking at their posture. And then I'm looking at their strength and flexibility imbalances that they have, like, are they tighter on one side, stronger on another? Like, what is that? How does that all correlate? Um, I'm looking at like muscle guarding. So I'm like palpating, um, kind of, you know, feels like a little bit like a massage to them, but I'm, you know, just kind of like getting a sense, like is the left tighter than the right? Like how does everything correlate to their pain? Are there any alignment issues? Uh, during pregnancy, it's not uncommon for there to be like shifts in their sacrum or in their pelvis that, um, can be corrected with certain, uh, techniques that are really gentle, like no forceful popping, cracking, working on like checking alignment and things like that. If they have uh, pain, then I'm trying to reproduce their pain. 
because then I kind of know at least where I'm like where one thing is that could be contributing to their pain. So it's really important for me, if anyone has pain, can I reproduce that pain? Um, and if I can't reproduce that pain, then it's going to be harder for me to treat them. Um, if it's a pregnant woman and she has incontinence, uh, I will do like an external like vulvar or perineal exam where I'll just look at their coordination. Like I'll have them do a Kegel. I'll see one, do they isolate it? Does it look strong? Like I can't tell strength looking, but I can just see if it barely moves versus like, you know, has more, uh, more movement to it. And then I'll have them rest. I'll see how they rest. And then I'll have them bear down like they're having a bowel movement. So that's a test for coordination. Like, can they do what they're trying to tell their body that they want to do? Um, or are they doing the complete opposite? So for example, like my patients with constipation, you know, pregnant or not, sometimes when I have them bear down, or cue them to bear down, they actually contract, but they just feel pressure there. So they feel like they are bearing down. And that could be a huge problem with childbirth. If they're trying to have a natural vaginal delivery. So that's part of birth prep that I do with, with my patients is making sure they have good coordination because if they're contracting when they're, they think they're pushing down, then they're going to be really fighting that vaginal delivery. Um, we also don't want them straining. So I see if they do something called a Valsalva, which is like holding their breath. And it's like what little babies do when they're pooping, right? Like they hold their breath, they get like bright red. So I'm thinking if they're doing that Valsalva, trying to teach them to breathe through their contraction or their bearing down. So just trying to minimize breath holding, uh, because we want to like try to minimize hemorrhoids as much as we can. If they have constipation, we don't want them straining because that can have effects on not only hemorrhoids, but also prolapse. So if you're straining a lot and prolapse is when, um, like all your pelvic organs are supposed to be like tucked up nice and high prolapse is when they are dropping or sagging down a little bit. And there's different severities of prolapse. You know, that would be kind of in a nutshell for the evaluation. And then from their treatment can just totally branch off depending on if they have just sciatic pain or incontinence or painful sex, like it's, I could just a lot of different interventions. So I can speak to what those would be in general. Now with a postpartum woman, um, her uh, evaluation is usually going to be a little different because she's either coming because she has pain with sex, she has incontinence, she might have bladder pain or like really severe bladder urgency frequency. It's generally like a pelvic floor exam that I'm going to be doing at that point, um, intravaginally, sometimes intrarectally, usually intrarectal is just if they have constipation or tailbone pain, which is called coccidinia. But we start off the same way. We converse. I have a two-part physical exam. The first part, again, is looking at posture, body mechanics, like maybe how they squat, how they move get on the table, looking at strength, flexibility, range of motion. And then um, for the pelvic floor muscle exam, it's like one um, gloved finger testing like muscle tone. Do they feel like really lax, low tone, or do they feel really tight and guarded or somewhere in between? How well do the muscles stretch? You know, when I try to stretch them, do they fight back? Um, which could be a problem with incontinence. So people do assume that like incontinence is always because the muscles are weak. And so then you need to do kegels because the muscles are weak, but actually sometimes incontinence can be because the muscles are too short and tight. So they can't contract properly to support. That means that we would have to do more like hands-on manual work to lengthen their muscles before we start strengthening it. Because if you strengthen a muscle that's short and tight, you're just going to make it shorter and tighter. And if you, um, everyone listening, like if you just sort of like mentally flag this and you 
remember the term length tension curve. The length tension curve basically is a bell-shaped curve, if you can visualize that. And at the peak of the curve is where our muscles are strongest. And at either tail end is where our muscles are weakest. So they're weakest if they're short and tight, and they're weakest if they're overstretched and lengthened. So that's the classic postpartum abdomen is like the abs are stretched out. So there's, there's definitely like lengthening and weakening there, but in the pelvic floor, even with the vaginal delivery, um, they're not always overstretched and lengthened six weeks out. They might've adaptively like reacted to help provide postural support. Cause that is one of the main functions of the pelvic floor. So they could, might be like really short and tight hanging on for your dear life. So that short tightness is providing some strength and stability, but it's not, um, functional. It's causing like incontinence or pain. So the internal examination will be to assess those things. Maybe I might assess strength. It depends on their symptoms, but also again, looking at coordination, can they contract, can they bear down? And if they have pain, trying to reproduce their pain, whether it's like a diffuse or like generalized pelvic pain or like painful sex, for example. Yeah. I wanted to um, talk about painful sex because sex after delivery is very scary even mm-hmm. after the doctor gives you the green light, it's still scary because, I mean, you just had a baby through your vagina. And it always amazes me how, like, amazing, like, or how just, like, stretchy, <laughs> for lack of better words, like, how how it just stretches and goes back. Right. Is a, like When you see those birth videos on YouTube, it's amazing, like, what our bodies can do. But, yeah, I do wonder... Does that, does that really come back? Is it forever changed? And what can we do to improve the tone and the condition down there? It's not something we can really look at ourselves, but is there a way, um, first question is, is there a way for us to know how the health of our pelvic area, like how can we know if it's the right tone and the right flexibility, and if it's, you know, looking and feeling good or not. So, so one thing would be like a simple self-assessment of your symptoms. So I think before I go into that, it's going to be helpful for me to list out the main functions of the pelvic floor. So think of them as the, the four S's. So the first S is uh, sphincter. So we're talking continence. Do your sphincters help close so that you don't pee yourself or poop on yourself. So we've got sphincter support. We've got, um, like support for the pelvic organs. So that's that prolapse function. And that's usually would feel like a, like a pelvic heaviness. Um, if it's more severe, sometimes people feel like they're sitting on like a little golf ball or something like that, or they just walk around and they feel a lot of heaviness. Um, the third is support for your posture. So the pelvic floor works with your deep abdominal muscles uh, called your transverse abdominus, which wrap around your waist, like an internal corset. So the transverse abdominus and the pelvic floor together are hugely supportive in your posture. So if, if you feel like your posture has changed, if you're having low back pain, hip pain, like things that can occur from like postural changes or might be due to pelvic floor um, weakness. So if you have like this new onset of hip or back pain, that would be um, another indicator that maybe it's coming from your pelvic floor. Um, and then the fourth is sexual function. So that's the fourth S. So am I having pain with sex? Does sex not feel as 
good? Do my orgasms not feel as intense? So changes in sexual function also may indicate some pelvic floor dysfunction. So yeah, understanding all that it can do. And then if you have problems in any of those four areas, there could be something driving that in the pelvic floor. And so you know, clearing with your OBGYN that you don't have like an infection, like if you have pain, for sure, you need to clear that like you don't have a UTI, you don't have a, a ovarian cyst or something. Um, but if you're medically cleared, then you should go to pelvic PT, because they're the ones that are going to be able to best evaluate you and set you on a like individualized treatment course. And you know, Pelvic PTs are different across the country with how much time they allow per session, what training they did, what they might do. But for me, I'll say in general, like my office, we do 90 minute to two hour initial evaluations. We are out of network, but uh, with insurances, but it's because we see this specialized population of pelvic issues. So it's not like, uh, oh, let me check out your ankle, you know, like you got to get comfortable with your provider before you ask them to you know, take their pants off and evaluate them. So we do that. And then our follow-ups are 60 to 90 minutes, also just depending on how often they can come in and uh, what else might be happening with their like symptoms and what we think will be optimal for their treatment plan. So, you know, as far as like that, so, some places do 45 minute evaluations and 30 minute follow-ups. So you're going to get like a different level of care and, uh, you know, both like in session, you'll be able to get so much hands-on care, so much education within that time. So, um, so there is like not a standard of care, unfortunately, although I do try it like my offices at Femina PT to try to make that a standard that I think all women deserve through whatever stage they are at in life. Uh, because it's, it's a specialty thing. You know, this isn't an ankle sprain. I don't put you behind a curtain or in a private treatment room. You know, I think women should expect a higher standard of care for dealing with their pelvic floor issues. I love that, that point that, that we should expect a higher standard of care for our pelvic issues. Cause it's, a very important part of our body that I think often get overlooked. And, you know, sex after pregnancy is a very important topic. You know, it's very important for our husbands. But you know, during postpartum for us women, most moms, our babies are our priority. It's all about survival at that point, breastfeeding, you know, the constant diapering and sex is the last thing on our minds, but it's something that we do have to do, right? It's part of a healthy yeah. marriage. So I think a lot of women do struggle or suffer from painful sex, and we just don't talk about it enough. Yeah, how common is it? So many women have pain on their first attempt after sex. And in fact, like I can actually give you a statistic of how common it is because it was published in a huge international OBGYN journal in 2015. So it was almost nine out of 10 women have pain on their first attempt after delivery. And to be honest, what they found was that women that had a C-section, whether it was elective or emergent, or women that had a traumatic vaginal childbirth, meaning it was like uh, vacuum or forceps assisted. I think that study specifically was vacuum assisted. They tended to report a um, higher incidence of painful sex after delivery. So people are kind of shocked by that because I know earlier you were talking about like, you know, well, you're push pushing babies out of our vagina and like, so sex can be scary after. And yes, I think women with vaginal delivery are 
expecting that there's going to be some pain, which one isn't good because you're bracing. So like when you brace, if you're like having a fear that this might not go okay, then you're setting your muscles on the inside a little bit tighter. So it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy that they'll probably won't be as comfortable because you're bracing. But women with C-sections, I think they're like, oh, I had a C-section, I'm good. And then they get so like surprised and distraught, like, why does this hurt? Like I had a C-section. So the reality is that no matter how you deliver, you go through the same hormonal changes. And that is a huge initial driver to painful sex in the early postpartum period. Because even if you don't breastfeed, if you're bottle feeding day one, your body is still producing breast milk. And um, it takes it takes a few months for your hormones to level. So in the immediate postpartum period, it's equated a lot of time to your vagina and the tissues in your like vulva and vaginal tissues being menopausal or postmenopausal low, low estrogen, almost like nil. So an estrogen is what provides like the suppleness to our vaginal tissue. The thickness helps with us with lubrication, the vaginal moisture. So it doesn't matter how you deliver. That is why there are such high numbers with painful sex, because we all go through those changes after we deliver a baby. Now, if you have vaginal delivery, then you might also be dealing with scar tissue pain. So that would be something I would evaluate. The way that our bodies work, no matter where you feel pain, what, what, what happens? Like your muscles guard, right? So like if your neck hurts, like you're just going to be a little bit like on guard. If someone's coming near you, you know, you just kind of flinch or you're going to protect yourself. It's what our body does. If you have painful sex, what are you going to do? You're going to guard your pelvic floor. So your muscles start to develop that expectation of pain. They start to get tight and short from guarding for one. And, you know, it's, Something that even 18 months later on that same study, almost one in four women were continuing to have ongoing sex. So it's not just, this is one of those things that doctors are like, when you stop breastfeeding, that'll get better. That's not what the research supports. Almost 25% of women are still having painful sex 18 months after. And a lot of them, this was, this study had over 1200 women in it. A lot of them were not still breastfeeding past a year, you know, so their, their hormones were probably pretty normal by 18 months pre-pregnancy normal and, you know, that, that why do they solve pain? And it becomes those like muscle and tissue changes that were never addressed. So again, pelvic PT would be the ideal provider for that, for that dysfunction. Wow. There's so much that goes on into this. Like I'm, I'm very surprised at, at how much, how little I knew about our pelvic well-being. And I never knew that it had to do with our estrogen, the level of estrogen as well. So does the level of estrogen drop um, immediately after giving birth? Yes. Yeah. So you end up with um, very low estrogen and that is suppressed as long as you are breastfeeding. So, so women that breastfeed longer will have more like vaginal dryness, tissue thinning, you know, in general, um, will tend to be reporting painful sex for longer. But again, with that study being like 18 months out, it's not just about hormones. Like if you're six months after you're done breastfeeding, it's not your hormones anymore. Like what else is there? Like muscles, tissue, um, the way your body, like your postural changes, right? You might have range of motion changes. Maybe you tore like your hip labrum which is like a little suction cup in your hip during vaginal deliveries you were pushing. So now you've got this like hip thing that is very closely linked to pelvic floor dysfunction, like directly linked to pelvic floor dysfunction, actually. So 
When you say posture changes, what do you mean? Can you elaborate on that a little more? Yeah. So during pregnancy, the you have a weight shift forward because of the belly growing um, forward, right? Like that's where the uterus goes. It doesn't like shift behind you. Like you, you don't get a bump on your back. It's in your front. So your center of gravity shifts forward. That causes your knees typically to hyperextend, you know, like sort of like be like beyond straight hyperextension. And then you get just so you can stay balanced. And then at like the feet, you also get a placement of the weight a little bit more forward on your feet as well. So that would be like a pregnancy postural change. And you can modify that. So if there's anyone pregnant listening, if you just think about like supporting your belly instead of your belly pulling you. So doing like a little hip tuck where you're, um, you're not crunching your shoulders, like your chest and shoulders are self tall, but you're just like tucking your hips under to flatten that curve in your back a little bit and then um, softening your knees. So like a very slight bend in your knees, making sure they're not totally hyperextended back um, are like a couple of postural changes you can make during pregnancy to help improve that distribution of weight and minimize like aches and pains. Because a lot of these aches and pains come from these postural changes. Uh, When you're postpartum, uh, just being aware of um, like, especially women that really let their bellies carry them. It's called pendulous abdomen. Like their belly is like low and their back is like so extended and we, we call lordotic they might stay in that posture after. So it's almost the same kind of thing, like just having to tuck the hips under, not completely flat because I was talking about how different postures affect pelvic floor function, a completely flat back where the pelvis is really posteriorly tilted or tucked under is the worst position for your pelvic floor to function in. So we want more of what's called a neutral spine. A lot of Pilates places will talk about neutral spine. So it's that like little mouse house when you're doing exercise, you don't want to smash into the table or the mat or the reformer. You just want to have like a little bit of space under there. So um, neutral spine is what I teach my postpartum women, um, how to exercise and strengthen their pelvic floor and their abdominal muscles, if it's appropriate for them to be strengthening. Um, At that time, when I'm working with pregnant women, I do cue them to smash their back flat because then when they're up and they're moving around, them thinking that their back is flat really is pulling them into neutral because they're just fighting so much of that bowling ball weight in front of them. So I cue differently, but I make it very clear that we're trying to ultimately work on a neutral spine. Yeah, when you're pregnant, when I was pregnant, there's so much heaviness that you naturally kind of do this, like you crunch, over, you put your shoulders a little bit. Yes. Yeah, forward shoulders. carries you forward and you have this like waddle you know, this pregnancy waddle because you're so heavy, your pelvic area is so heavy. I had really bad sciatic pain as well. And when I was pregnant, I talked to my gynecologist about it, but he said, you know, there's really nothing we can do. It's just, no. you know, so he did, he did. So he was like, well, you know, it's when you're pregnant, your muscles or your ligaments stretch out. So this is why you're getting this pain. And he did refer me to like a PT um, at the, but it was not like a pelvic specialist I think they just maybe do some stretches and you know I didn't have time for it you know I was busy just carrying a baby and you know mothering my other kids so I never followed through with it so sex during pregnancy I'm sure feels differently for different women you know and you kind of goes through phases right depending on your hormones but there's a common misconception that 
if you have painful sex before you're pregnant, then the delivery can make it go away. Yes. Tell us a little bit about this, like how that works. Is that true? So this is one of those other myths that uh, physicians will tell their patients. They'll say, just get pregnant. So the, the diagnosis that is typically associated with what you're describing is called vaginismus. It's vaginal muscle guarding, or it's, it's muscle guarding around the vagina, I should say. It's not the vaginal muscle itself. It's the other muscles around it. And women will... Um, like just look like, how am I supposed to get pregnant? I can't even have sex, right? Like, I mean, some of my patients have unconsummated marriages and they're told like, well, as soon as you get pregnant, you have the baby, it'll get better. But we already talked about that study. Like there's women that never had sex before that now have pain. And that study did look at people that had pain pre-pregnancy and they were more at more at risk of having postpartum sexual pain. So it is a complete myth that if you have pain before that a getting pregnant and delivering the baby will cure your pain. And I mean, I've had patients suffer for years, just like, when is this pain going to go away? I thought it was going to get better after I had a baby. So, uh, you know, the women that had pain before pregnancy, their treatment plan postpartum is typically longer because they've had a long-standing dysfunction. If a woman is having painful intercourse uh, only onset after pregnancy and they're coming within that first year, I mean, they might be better in three to four visits, pain-free in three to four visits, depending on like, if it's purely muscle, it might be a little bit more if it's, if you have a lot of scar tissue, um, like, and the scar tissue is usually a lot more common if they have a grade three or four tear, which goes through the like anal sphincter and creates just, it's like a really thick, deep tear, um, a grade four tear, by the way, like when it goes all the way through to the rectum. And so there can be like a lot of scar tissue, a lot of immobility, but yeah, it's an absolute myth that needs to just go away because women really, they rely on that. Like they hold on to that. Like, yes, they wanted to get pregnant. They wanted to have this baby, but they also thought it was going to cure their pain. And it was like a false promise. So, so it's important to get to the root of it, like the root cause of it when it's happening. Like don't wait, um, see a specialist, see a pelvic floor PT or pelvic PT and take care of it because right miraculously going to go away. You know, when you get like the scar tissue, because I know a lot of women who deliver vaginally experience the tear and the scar tissue, like, is that, do you have to train, you know, because like scar tissue wasn't there before the tear. So how do you, I'm sure that affects, right? Your pelvic, like the way it moves. Like, do you train, are you able to train your scar tissue? Well, I'm, we, we, I don't call it training. Um, we do like manual work to mobilize the scar tissue. So we're trying to soften it. We don't get rid of the scar tissue, but we're trying to remove the restrictions to improve pelvic floor function. So I've certainly had people that had such thick scar tissue. It was actually limiting their pelvic floor on one side from contracting fully because there was so much scar tissue I could feel. So if you can't get a good contraction in your pelvic floor, that's going to be a problem when you need to sneeze and have your pelvic floor on board to help support that, for example. 
but not just the scar tissue vaginally, like we will look at scar tissue um, at the C-section um, area as well. So that's a really important thing to assess. Um, we also will look at diastasis recti, both during pregnancy, I did forget to mention that earlier, and postpartum diastasis recti is the splitting of the abdominal muscles that can create like a doming or a bulge through them from like your ribs to your um, pubic bone. And that's something that a lot of times can be managed conservatively. That's not like signing up for surgery, but we can assess whether or not it's likely that uh, a program alone it will involve like pelvic floor and traditional core strengthening um, and training if that alone might do it, or if there's not even like, we can tell if it's almost like ripped all the way through the fascia and that those people would probably need a surgical consult because if there's no physical connection in the midline, because all of the fascia is disrupted, then they, they're not going to be able to contract and support themselves because there's just no connection there at the middle. You know, after, while listening to you, I thought of two things. One is I think every woman needs a pelvic floor PT or at least get an assessment to bring their um, vaginal and their pelvic health back to um, order. And secondly, like, why is this not discussed enough? You know, why I've never heard of a pelvic floor <laughs> PT from even my gynecologist when I went to him regarding my pelvic pressure as well as sciatic pain. Like, I've never even heard of the title, like pelvic floor PT, they just um, gave me a solution. It didn't seem like it was going to work for me. And I was like, okay, I can do the stretching at home myself, you know, and it's a lot of work and energy and time for women to take the time, the initiative to seek treatment in that way. And another aspect is like, I can't believe there are so many like muscles and hormones. There's so many ways it, there's so many moving parts to your pelvic health. So that was very interesting to me. And it makes me want to go read your book and learn more about it because it's very important. And that's how we can, you know, go on to having not painful sex, also having more children if we're thinking about future pregnancies. And I never knew that even having C-section can affect your sex. And I know a lot of C-section mamas talk about their scar tissue or their scars like still hurting like mm-hmm. it still hurts them even after years after they've yeah. given birth. Like how does that relate to like their overall, like, you know, how does that happen? Why does that happen? Is it just the, yeah. a skin condition, like a skin wound? So, so in part um, when, if they're still having sensitivity um, in their scar tissue, a lot of times it's like thick and raised, or it might be really puckered in and immobile. So doing scar tissue mobility work, certain techniques can help, but we can also desensitize it. Like I've had patients for sure that were like, I can't wear tight clothing over my scar. Like it just is too sensitive. So we teach them some desensitizing techniques. The first thing you can try for everybody that's like, yes, give me, give me a little pearl <laughs> on what to do is take a wet washcloth and brush it across your scar from left to right, up and down, and spend like 60 seconds on that every day, a wet washcloth. Then go to a dry washcloth, okay, because it's a little more abrasive. And then you do the same thing, left to right, up and down, and you'll feel it get less sensitive. And then beyond that, it's more mobility techniques that you would want to get in and see a PT for. But with any scar tissue sensitivity, those are the first couple things that we would have you do for a C-section scar. 
it also, it's interesting. I would say like my C-section mamas, a lot of times they often also come with hip or back pain, but that didn't start for like maybe six months or a year after their delivery. So it's like, they don't even time it necessarily to the delivery. They're just like, God, I've had this like weird pain in front of my hip that started a year after they delivered, but it's that like internal pelvic floor dysfunction or those postural changes. Like it's the stuff that's happening primarily between the ribs and the knees that are driving it. So that's why even if someone has hip pain, I, I really feel like if they've had a baby, they should see a pelvic PT that also does a lot of orthopedic PT like mine and my staff. A pelvic PT should never just be looking at the pelvis. They should never be talking, get on the table, look at your pelvis, only treat your pelvis. Like there's a whole body that we have to take into consideration, how it moves, how it all coordinates. That's just sort of like an important thing related to seeking the right care after is you should be looked at as a whole person, not just as a pelvic floor. I love that approach, kind of looking at the entire, you know, head to toe, not just the pelvic area. And I never knew that having hip and back pain can be related to these issues. So thank you so much for that insight. And I love that you have all this information available on your website, because I imagine a lot of listeners, like even myself, I want to learn more about this. And maybe, you know, uh, read more about my symptoms to see how your service or, or the services provided at Femina can help moms like myself. And after giving you know birth to four children, I'm pretty sure she's my last baby. And I really want to get assessed and just to make sure mm-hmm. that everything is looking good. And that I'm, you know, I've given birth 11 months ago. As of now, I feel okay, but I feel like it could be better. So having a professional yeah. assessment would give me that peace of mind and also research-based you know, information and um, exercises and strategies that I can use to improve my well being. And you know, this year, I really want to focus on that I was um, sharing with my audience, I really want to focus on myself, if that first year was really dedicating my entire year to make sure that my child is fed, and you know, she's growing and meeting all her milestones and, and growing according to the chart, like this year, I want to focus on myself. And I really want to want to encourage other women mothers, postpartum mothers to start thinking about this. So if you're listening out there, you've just given birth, and you are so overwhelmed with all your, you know, mother mothering duties, I completely understand that. But it's also important for us to take care of ourselves. Because you know, our body is sacred. I I truly believe the female body is the most powerful and the most beautiful like tool. Um, We give birth and it's just so amazing. And I love that you've dedicated your research and your time and your experience into this. You know, lastly, I wanted to ask you, so after, you know, going through the treatment assessment and working with you first is how long does that typically, like how many sessions do you have to attend to start, you know, seeing improvement? And like, I'm sure, you know, this really varies, but you know, what are, what's some of the feedback you receive? Like how does this really truly improve a woman's life? working with a physical therapist like yourself? Varies for sure based on diagnosis. If they have stress incontinence, which is leaking with coughing, laughing, sneezing, jumping on the trampoline, running, those sorts of things, that's usually anywhere from six to eight visits that are spread out over 
three to four months typically. If they have urge urinary incontinence, that is getting the strong urge to go to the bathroom, you don't quite make it in time. That tends to be associated more with the like short, tight, or overactive pelvic floor. So oftentimes they need manual therapy before strengthening. So that is more often like eight to 12 visits. If they have stress plus urge incontinence, that's called mixed incontinence. And that can also take maybe like 10 to 12, 10 to 14 visits to fully resolve. But again, a lot of it's like spread out over time. They're not coming like twice a week, like traditional ortho PT, like, you know, you just had surgery, go three times a week. It's a lot of education, home homework to complete. Now, the women that have sexual pain, like I said, if it's a new onset after delivery and they're coming within that first year, especially, it could be three or four visits and then they could be pain-free with sex. So I sort of think like, even if you are still breastfeeding, and you're having painful sex and you're six months out and you're having painful sex, like why wait until you stop breastfeeding? Like you already have the problem. So fix it and be done. Move on with your life. Pre-existing painful sex that, and then they still have painful sex postpartum. That honestly ranges so much. Like it might be six visits. It might be 24 visits. Like it really depends on what else they have going on. The other thing that makes visits numbers go up is if they also have like hip or back dysfunction or pain. So that can creep the visits up because we can't just treat the pelvic floor. Like if they're having hip pain, like they share muscles. So it, you know, we, focus so much on the pelvic floor, we don't trust the hip, their pelvic floor is never going to get 100%. Or it might be good for a few months, but then the incontinence comes back. It's because you didn't address like the hip tightness that they had that was affecting the pelvic floor. So that when pain is involved, it can just really, you know, explode the numbers, I guess, and just be such a huge variety. Prolapse, that varies. I would say that's anywhere from like eight to 10 visits also to teach them like a good supportive home program. But I also have like different levels of patients as far as like motivation, financial ability, time availability. So I have some patients that are like, I'll come see you. We can do Pilates together because I'm also Pilates certified. So I'll do like pelvic floor focused Pilates where they're strengthening and they want to come and see me twice a week because they want to be supported by me in their journey rather than like do things on their own at home. So they'll just come see me twice a week. And so that's going to be obviously a lot more visit number, but the time frame is still going to be about the same three, four months. So it's, it, I ask what their goals are. Like, um, you know, the, here's the ideal what can you do? And then let's work around that. Let's make sure you get all the home exercises you need. Let's make sure you get all the education that you need. And let's make sure that your body is functional and that you meet all your goals with whatever your means are. Thank you so much for sharing um, all of that valuable information. So now if the audience wants to go find you, where are they where can they find you? Can you give us um, your Instagram handle and your TikTok handle and just wherever outlets that that you like to share your information? Yep. So my website is feminapt.com and my handles um, on all social media at the lady parts PT. That's my like personal professional handle. And we're also at Femina PT uh, on Instagram primarily right now. That's our most active channel for both at the lady parts and for at Femina PT. So you can find us there. And my book you can find on sexwithoutpainbook.com for an immediate PDF download. And I'll create a code for your listeners for 20% off. So we awesome. could call it Mommy Diary 20. And I'll set that up as soon as we get off the call. Thank you so much, Heather. We really appreciate that. I'm sure there are moms out there who can most definitely benefit from your services. And I'm going to add all these links to the show notes below so that you can find her more easily. 
And then um, also, if you don't want the PDF download, you can get a print copy on Amazon and soulsource.com. You can get your print copy and your uh, medical dilators, which are what you need to do the home program for sexual pain. So that's on soulsource.com. And um, I think lastly too, like all eBooks, you can get the book as well. So you have lots of ways to, to self, self-heal. Yeah. So if you're out there suffering from painful sex, it doesn't have to be that way. We have people like Heather who specializes in this. So please, you know, take care of yourselves and, you know, the well-being of your pelvic floor this year. I really hope that 2021 is the year of self-care. And I know that word sounds so overused, but it's so important. I think now more than ever with the pandemic still going on, I mean, last year, I know a lot of moms had zero time to take care of themselves. So you're still open for um, business right now, right? I am. I actually never closed because I do see so many women primarily with chronic pain. I felt it was going to be a huge disservice to close down because suffering with chronic pain that's not well managed has a lot of secondary effects, right? Like mental health effects and people that have chronic pain compared to the general population have a higher suicide rate. So I actually felt it was very irresponsible to close. So we kept open, although albeit at a very skeleton crew, and we already had N95 masks because we had them from the fires that were in Los Angeles like the year before. So we, and we already used gloves because we're pelvic PTs. We already had disinfectants. So we were actually pandemic ready when things went down. So we, it was very seamless transition. And then we do a lot of telehealth. So I see patients from all over the world for telehealth. Patients sometimes will come in once so they can get the hands-on evaluation, but then do all their follow-ups on telehealth. There's so much we can do, especially like if I know your body, there's a lot of instruction that can be done through um, online medium. That's great to know. And I love that you're located in LA, but um, readers or the audience can still find you on your social media and your blog. And thank you so much for spending your time with us today. And thank you for all the work that you do to empower, you know, uh, mothers and women, because like you said, you brought up a really good point that these pain, these issues can really lead to mental health issues confidence issues, you know, if you're having painful sex, you really feel like less of a woman, you know, it can really yeah. lead to marriage troubles. Yes. Not, you know, it's hard to tell your husband, hey, I'm having, you know, these symptoms, it's kind of embarrassing. Oftentimes, you'd like to keep those things to yourself. And, you know, so thank you so much for being there being such a valuable resource for us moms. And I look forward to following you and learning more about this. Any final words? for the audience as we kick off this new season? I think just um, connect with me on social media. I'm fairly responsive. If you direct message, like you're getting me on at the lady parts PT. So yeah. And then also, you know, we have a great newsletter. You should sign up on Femina PT and you'll get all sorts of great advice from like mindfulness, care, yoga flow routines, all sorts of pregnancy related, you know, care, we have like lots of different categories on our blog, and we don't over spam. So our newsletter is a, a good thing to, to sign up for. Awesome. You know, it sounds like you almost sound like a coach, like you're a physical therapist, but because these are issues that a lot of women may feel kind of embarrassed to talk about. So you could be that person to give that really personalized, experienced guide, you know, you could be that guy for a lot of us where, you know, with these very common issues that are often overlooked. So thank you yeah. so much for joining us. Happy New Year. Thank you. Together. Thank you. Happy New Year, Angela. I look forward to following you on social media. Bye. Bye.
Thanks so much for listening to Mommy Diary, the podcast. If you can relate to any of my stories, my hope is that you leave this episode feeling a little less alone and a lot more inspired. For more parenting and lifestyle stories, head over to my blog, mommy-diary.com or join me on Instagram at mommydiary. If you're loving this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. I love connecting with you, so send me a DM and let me know what you'd like to hear next. Talk to you next week.